and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. All right. Today we are talking about a promising young woman with Lindsay Partain. Welcome, Lindsay. Well, let's start with what we begin with all of our guests. Um, What's your favorite scary movie? See, I knew that I had to answer this question and then I wrote down like 20 movies. <laughs> my my favorite scary movie, I always go back to Carrie with Sissy Spasek. It was one of the very first scary movies I ever watched. And I, yeah, and, and I always go back to that one. I know it's probably problematic and it's Stephen King, so problematic in its own way. But yeah, Carrie for sure. <laughs> it's one of his least problematic problematic things <laughs> for sure by a long shot um but yeah a promising young woman was an easy was an easy one too i was just like top of the list yeah. <laughs> new favorite movie <laughs> you have a favorite like genre like subgenre in the horror world or anything like i that? really i tend to go for like the psychological horror i don't i don't go in for like the ultra violent gory stuff it it's usually to do with like trauma or some revenge stuff but I want it to be fun you know and like a cabin in the woods or your next um like even get out like get out is like it's brutal but like in its own way like they have so much fun with it I I, I like the psychological twist to it cool um yeah so tell the audience where they can follow you on social media so they can get up all the up to dates on what you're up to um the only place that I really update is my Instagram, honestly. Um, but you can find me on there. Uh, and it's just my name. It's at Lindsay Partain. And then you can find all my stuff on NPX, too, if you like plays. Yes. Yeah. Well, welcome, Lindsay. Let's get down to our general thoughts on Promising Young Woman. I'm usually not a fan of, like, the revenge plot device. Like, I don't like I spit on your grave, stuff like that. That's not my oh. Um, but this worked really well. I thought the way they, they handled it was really nice and the uh, the pacing felt good. It never felt boring or too rushed. Um, I Maybe I'm the only one. It weirded me out that this movie was rated R. I know there's some sexuality in it, but not a lot. I don't know. I feel like there's PG-13 that's worse than just R. <laughs> it's because a woman taking control of her own life is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> the death is what made it rated on mm, that's a good point that's a they good also point. say don't they say fuck a lot that might have been it yeah. it might have just been a language thing yeah yeah no but i i agree with the revenge which is also one of my general thoughts i think the reason that this particular rape revenge movie works is because it was handled by a femme so it wasn't about the male gaze yeah <laughs> it wasn't make it look sexy as she sought revenge <laughs> It was about right. it was about grief and guilt and these human situations and feelings and so yeah I feel like that's part of why it turned the rape revenge on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said for a very long time we need to stop letting men handle that genre, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do really like this movie tonally. I I I've, I don't know. I, I made the mistake of going online and looking at what some people thought and everybody was like the tone doesn't make sense it doesn't match and I was like are you kidding me like this perfectly sums up like my everyday life or like even when you're like grieving and you're trying to like just move throughout your week it's like you go from being uh in total discomfort to like wanting to sob to like laughing your ass off and then you're heartbroken and it's yeah they handle it really really well because I think at like the halfway point you think you're in a romantic comedy and then you get to the uh, you, you get to the climactic moment where she yeah, finds out about Ryan and then it turns itself on its head again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also this movie, like the colors and the music and just aesthetically, it's so pleasing and so much fun. Which is really interesting because it's such a juxtaposition to the content. <laughs> right? <laughs> but again, everyday life, because how many of us are just living our best lives and then a man appears? Whether <laughs> it's on the internet or in person. That's the title of your next play, right? And then, it is. And then, and then a man, man appears. appears. Uh, and if a bunch of women living their best lives, and then all of a sudden Chuck is there, and it's like, oh no. So, 
oh my god yes it's that uh it's that scene in the cafe with cassie where she's just like she's smiling and she's so happy and she's living her best life and the the blue frame is behind her it's gorgeous Mm. and then she looks like a little cameo pin and then fucking bo burnham flies out of the right side of the screen and like smooches her face and he's just like i'm the reason you're happy and she's just like no i chose this why (laughs) go away right oh my god (laughs) sorry (laughs) another thing i love about this movie is that it doesn't ever actually show the violence and it does it alludes to it a lot but it doesn't get into the fact that here's what happened to nina specifically Mm. again not something that the males who usually handle this genre fall into Um, let us show it and that'll like shock people and it's like no we we know what happens we're smart enough if you give us the context clues right exactly well and kind of to that point too it's like they don't even they don't even really talk about it it's like i don't think that anybody ever explicitly says sexual assault they don't say rape they don't say suicide it is only ever like alluded to it is very much like a covered up thing and even like at the very end it's an unfinished sentence sentence it's well i didn't it wasn't and how wild is that that we just we know inherently what it was yeah but nobody can say it yeah no i everything was amazing i feel like it's the, probably the most important movie i've ever seen mm-hmm. and it's for all these reasons and the other reasons we're going to get into <laughs> but but i feel like it perfectly captures all of my rants about sexism rape culture frat boy mentality and everything mm-hmm. else that i'm usually yelling about on the internet and in life <laughs> um, and it also doesn't let us off the hook um, by giving us a forced ending that lets us believe it's all going to be okay i yeah. also don't like that for these sort of movies and i know that america likes a happy ending characters can't get divorced on tv shows without people wanting to loot so i i get that impulse but i'm happy emerald said no it's my movie you'll be uncomfortable yeah (laughs) Yeah. absolutely it was definitely uncomfortable i i we'll get to like the specific moments in a little bit but like um there was a moment where where i was like do i like this is this really uncut? Do I like it? No, I like. It. Okay, I get it now. I'm, I'm back in it. You know, and so it made you think while watching it, like, ugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was hooked from the beginning. Um, first off, Adam Brody is America's boyfriend, but we know what this movie's about, so you know he's not going to be on the right side of history. <laughs> but how often do we have like the guy who's oh he would never do that or oh he's adorable? It's always and then a man appears, <laughs> and so. <laughs> And so it felt like that superhero origin story. It felt like a living comic book. And so I was all about it. Even when I was like, I'm about to cry a little bit maybe. And I don't like that. Um, I was like, give it the awards. I feel like I feel mm-hmm. like this and I May Destroy You are giving us these conversations we've been needing to have forever in ways that are taking care of the audience who, mm-hmm. <laughs> who lives these experiences and who knows these experiences as well in a way that we haven't ever had. And I, I hate to like compare them, but also they are both of their own genre now, and I feel. But I love that comment though, like that idea that you're taking care of of who this movie is for or like who this movie is about. Yeah, there, there isn't that care or that support that's really given or even that like the attention to that kind of grief or, or if I don't, anger is so not the word that I wanna use because it's, I feel like it's closer to wrath where it's yes. just- you have had so much taken away from you and it's not necessarily about like the the story isn't like the thing that caused it it's the way that we're handling it now yeah no i especially because like women don't get to be angry <laughs> yes um, in oh the my media. god and so she's As living her, angry. right right she's living her best life not being outwardly angry but you know something's wrong um she's put herself on hold she's she's moved back home she works at this candy shop people well her one friend Laverne Cox is like don't you want more mm-hmm. don't you want to get out of your family's house you don't seem happy there <laughs> and so she's removed herself from the world already I feel and so that's another reason why when she makes her choice to go take care of this at the end and she's aware of what's possibly going to happen to her she's like I've already removed myself it's what it's going to be let's do this right um yeah all right well let's get down to our specific points and we'll just like I said we'll just take turns and um yeah, Lindsay, why don't you go first? Oh, God. <laughs> I got to scroll. Um, oh, so this was a... I, I, 
when I started watching the movie, I was like, I'm not going to take notes. I'm just going to watch it. I'll watch it again. And then I'll take notes. And I made it five minutes. And then I was like, screw it. I'm getting a notebook. But this thing that I started noticing right off the bat is that they have the, in the movie, they have a pretty consistent theme of showing women as, as being trash or as being dirty. And it is always put right next to men who are like in the industry or in lab coats or who are in hard hats and like they're always clean and they're dressed up and buttoned up and you like that opening scene right after you you get an idea for what she's doing and she's barefoot and she's like doing that like walk of shame almost and she's got ketchup on her foot and like dripping down her arm and then she gets fucking catcalled because of course the men are garbage and she just stares at these like clean men who are doing their jobs after she's probably feeling like she's done her job and she just stares at them and then they call her a bitch and a slut meanwhile she's like standing in front of a trash dump a literal trash dump and then later like with the like she's like perfect and she's beautiful for this date with with ryan and he's like oh do you want to go upstairs and she can't and then she's right back to the trash and she's sent off like kicking trash cans and like wallowing in garbage. And it drove, it drove me nuts and it made me so sad because men get to be buttoned up and perfect and nothing is wrong, but women are crazy and dirty and insane or sluts or garbage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was one point. I apologize. No. <laughs> uh, but yes, no, I... Again, women women have to be this way in the media because the media is run by men. And yeah. so this this movie would have never existed had you given it to like Steven Spielberg or somebody. <laughs> it would never be this. It would be all about the man's journey and what he went through. Um, <laughs> and she would. Uh, and I, I was just going to say, I think that it was really interesting that it showed, especially in that moment where, like, you were talking about, she's walking down the street barefoot, like disheveled, you know, like crazy looking. And she's still getting catcalled. So it's showing that men are sexualizing women no matter their appearance. No matter. So it's not about what she was wearing. It's not her asking for it. She's literally dirty trying to get home and she's still getting sexualized. Yeah, exactly. Every day. Every day. Every, every day. Um, no, I. the part where she kicks the trash can when she's, again, angry <laughs> because she didn't want him to see that she was angry because that's just not how we're wired but she's like I have a second this trash can's catching it and I <laughs> I was like I love this moment and again it felt very much like that superhero who's like I got this thing I'm trying to start with a person but also I have all this other stuff and so I gotta work it out and also I have my own baggage <laughs> it was very much uh if Batman could Batman never could but if Batman could <laughs> That was a very, that was the moment I pictured as a, yeah. Yeah. It's like, when I saw that moment, I was like, uh, what, I, I keep wanting to call her Cassie, but Mulligan, Carrie Mulligan, she does such a great job of like showing, showing her hurt without really like, uh, I don't know, without really showing it, I guess it's like, it's all in her eyes and it's just seeing that vulnerability and like hearing the implication behind those words. Do you want to come upstairs and have a drink? and knowing what it meant for her friend and what it could still mean for her and not wanting to know because she actually likes this guy. Right. And how much that sucks. Yeah. Oh, God. That, that actually brings me to one of my points about just, I thought every performance in this film was incredible. Carrie Mulligan yes. deserves all the awards for this. It's subtle, it's specific, the depth, like you were saying, it's all in her eyes. And that's so difficult as an actor to portray that and not make it like this big acting choice. It's just, and it's all layered under all these presentations of who she has to be. Mm -hmm. I thought um, Bo Burnham, I thought he did well. He was one that I was like kind of rooting for for a little bit. And then, you know. I sent Julia a text too. I felt so ashamed. I was like, this, he's a treasure. He is so beautiful. I'm here for this. And then like five minutes later, I was like, oh, I made an oopsie. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I will say, I'm probably going into this with my own bias because I am a, I was a Bo Burnham fan before this and I didn't know he was going to be in this movie. So he popped up and I was like, Bo, what? <laughs> I didn't know you were doing like actual films now. <laughs> <laughs> then you had Jennifer Coolidge, who I also had to take do a double take because I, I never expected her to be in this like subtle kind of dramatic, not pooky at all kind of character. 
And then of course, Laverne Cox, who I love and I want to be her best friend forever. <laughs> Laverne is one of my notes because this is another example of Laverne Cox just getting a role as another woman. We don't make her do one of those like insulting monologues. We don't mm -hmm. draw attention to the fact that like she's a trans woman, she just gets to exist. And yes. I've waited And forever. as a businesswoman too. Yes, yes, because this is, I always look at a movie going representation and we had two black people here, one of which is Laverne Cox, which, <laughs> and so the fact that Laverne Cox was an actual friend not a magical Negro and not like an older auntie figure uh, <laughs> was just like the black woman who hired this woman who she feels some sort of connection to and wants to help mm -hmm. but not in a way that's going to like put her out of business or anything but like a normal human interaction <laughs> and I'm forever grateful for that and I I'm just living for this moment in Laverne Cox's career where she gets to just be her as opposed to mm -hmm. what they did her towards the end of Orange is the New Black and other things so yeah she's not being uh, pigeonholed yes. which is a good thing as an actor literally she gives us so much and mm -hmm. like people won't even meet her halfway most of the time. And I hope that this is a new trend. So I can see other trans actors who actually just get to be actors. <laughs> um, yes. That's what I want for all my friends. My next point, it, it's kind of, I guess, about forgiveness in a weird way. Um, but it was specifically that moment with Dr. Green, who is the only, like, he's the only like Roman numeral, like in the, in the movie who, actively remembers Nina and says her name first um, and doesn't say like, oh, like, I don't remember that, like, and tries to ignore it. But it's, it's, I think, really the only time that we see a man actually apologize, express regret, and like, and, and really understand the consequences of his actions. Mm -hmm. um, and that moment, like, where you, again, like, Carrie Mulligan, God damn! just like you see like the air gets sucked right out of her because she's not expecting it and I, I guess that just like goes to show how how few times we've all experienced a men actually apologize or anybody <laughs> apologize really <laughs> um but I love that scene and it really shook me and broke my heart because it's like they did this thing visually where everything around them is dying and so is this man. And it's also the way that like, I kind of imagine that Nina was also dying. Like you have all of this potential and there, there could be beauty and there's art on the walls, but it doesn't really matter because it just looks gross next to these dead plants and this horribly regretful man who is just begging to uh, like change what he's done. And you can't bring it back really, you, you just can't. And it's the only time she forgives somebody for what she did to her friend. And it's like, how simple is that action just to say, I'm sorry, not I was a kid. I, I'm a nice guy. I've changed. It was my job. Like he just said, I acknowledge what I've done and I apologize. And that was the beginning of, of making better choices. Two things about that. I, I love that when he had his moment at work, they were like, you're having an episode and you are no longer mentally sound. You feel bad about what you did to that girl, Nina. Send him away, oh sabbatical. <laughs> and my second thing is we, because she, Carrie Mulligan has this whole angel of death thing working for her, even though she's not killing people, which is why we didn't mm -hmm. know what the movie was going to be until we opened it. <laughs> so we see her visiting these people and we see her doing these like morally questionable things to some of these people. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right? But when this happened, I was like, she did give them so many ways to apologize and own their shit before she did whatever she did to them. Yes. And it reminded me of that moment with her and Alison Bree's character in the restaurant where Alison Bree starts talking to her about what happened with having sex with someone you don't want to and how it blurred the mm. line between Cassie and Nina. So I was confused. I was like, wait, did it not happen to Nina? Did it happen to Cassie? But I think that that was Emerald putting that onto her friend with all the other guilt and emotions is that like it was someone so close to her that it felt like it happened to her, mm -hmm. which is another reason why she can't heal. But again, she gave that character so many different chances to be like, I'm sorry. And she wouldn't because how dare we? Right. <laughs> and so I remember she had this line, something about like, I, I wish you could have been sorry for your own sake before she like stands up and tells the guy to do whatever he's going to do. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I also enjoyed that it, was, it showed that it's not just the men that are the problem. There are yes. women in here that are also ignoring it or making excuses for it or, you know, 
um, because it, that's just so frustrating. And honestly, the the um, oh, what's her what was her name? The one you were just talking about, um, Allison Brie. Yes. Um, the ending of her like arc where she brings the phone and has the video on, I was mm. kind of pissed about that. I was like, I want you to, to realize and not blame Cassie for this because it's not Cassie's fault. It's your fault. You, yeah. As you said, you put yourself in this situation, you got drunk, blah, 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 blah. It's not Cassie's fault. That's the rape culture and the double standards though. And Cassie, it's one of my notes, Cassie has this line where she's like, I guess it only matters when it's someone you love because most of America will not invest and give a shit until it's someone they love, which is why so many men have to find a way to track a woman to another man to make her feel like a person in his mind. Because how often is it, it's someone's sister, it's someone's mother's wife. Yeah, it's never, she's a person, we should treat her like what? It's never that. (laughs) It's like, she's my sister. It's like, okay, calm down, okay? (laughs) That's what she does to Connie Britton with her and her daughter. I was like, oh my god prime example of prime example of the thesis of this movie um because Connie was like I can't care I'm just a woman who wants to stay in power mm, fuck your friend <laughs> oh my daughter's in that room <laughs> oh these boys are in that room <laughs> I know what happens here from them I won't admit it now I care yeah <laughs> so but it also feels like both of those women too were they're in very like male dominated fields too so it's like it, it's feeling like you have to feed into this like boys culture Mm. and if you if you try to uh, like slap anybody on the wrist or like look into an accusation that that means that you don't play nice with boys and that you're Mm. trying to ruin boys lives and that's fucked yeah Mm. so so my next note is about Bo Barnum's character Ryan um with the revelation on the video on the phone I as soon as they as soon as she said there's a video I said he's gonna be on it that, that, that's it he's gonna be on it it's over but and then Carrie Mulligan's performance when she hears his voice uh, and I and I think that you know um Lizzie earlier you were talking about how at some point this kind of felt like a romantic comedy and it so did like that section where they're going uh the Paris Hilton song is playing has <laughs> 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 ever made me like a Paris Hilton song <laughs> that song was a banger <laughs> um and you, you, I just had, I think I had this hope for Ryan because Carrie Mulligan's character, Cassie, seemed to have hope for him too. Like she seemed to finally feel, feel like I found an actual like good person to be with and he makes me happy and I seem to make him happy. And then this huge letdown, which I, yeah, it wasn't exactly surprising, but it was still heartbreaking. I knew I couldn't trust him. I just didn't know how guilty he was. Because again, he's friends with these people even after everything that happened, but he has no memory of it. And that goes back to accountability because people like to do this thing where they're like, I didn't do whatever it was, so I'm innocent. Whether or not they were there when it happened, whether or not they hit evidence, <laughs> they were like, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. And this movie takes on good guys head on. So him being a good guy, I was like, what did you do, Ryan? What did right. you do? Yeah. And he has this great line too. And it, it took me a while to trust him. And eventually I did to the point where when the phone did come up, I was like, you motherfucker, how could you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it caught me. But early on, I think it's in the first cafe scene, but he says in regard to the medical friends, he was like, yeah, I couldn't shake them off me. And that like carry that stuck with me. I was like, okay, I know like what's not being said here. And that something happened and you're connected somehow, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just like the script wants me to feel like Cassie is like trying, I don't know, like what Cassie is thinking and what she is pulling from this conversation, so. Oh, and like the moment after she's she's confronted him about the video and his, de- his, his demeanor changed. This is why I think his performance is really good. His demeanor changed on a dime. He knew exactly what she was talking about and it, you could see the revelation in his eyes. And he immediately knew, and then he changed, and he's and like what? What's his last line to her? Um, you're a. Then we like, both won't be doctors, you crazy bitch, or something like that. Something like that. No, he calls her a a, a, a failure. You're such a fucking failure, or something like that. And she's like, yeah. oh, nice, and leaves. I I love that switch though, because again, good guys. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Because the end of the day, the second like you give them something they don't want to hear, they snap on you. Yeah. Which is why 
I forget how many, there was like at least two or three women who turned out to my advances and were just like shot at a bar. And we're just like, oh, candy and my guns aren't male toxic masculinity. Mm, it's America. And, and I'm like, well, we could, we could. We could teach boys better growing up and we could like do something with these guns. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times does something go down in a school because she wouldn't go to prom with him? And that's the story as opposed to somebody gave this boy all this stuff and he went to school and did this. It's like, if she just gone to the prom with him, meanwhile, if she just gone to the prom with him, what would have happened to her? Right. Yeah. But America don't care. So yeah. Yeah. I sort of going off Trent's point, I love the pop bubblegum world that is everything neon. And we have all of this like quote unquote feminine stuff in the background. And even like Carrie Mulligan's dressed in like pastels and like cool colors. And we're playing Spice Girls and Britney Spears. And it's a very sweet and sugary, innocent world where all this shit is going down. And she has this whole other alter ego, again, a superhero. <laughs> concept it feels like where she puts on like the black clothing and she like does something different with her hair and she leaves the candy and pop because she's chewing gum and eating licorice while she handles all of this business in the daytime but at night she has her hoops on she has her heels on <laughs> and she is an adult and so I yeah. I love that contrast because it, it takes us in and out of the world with her it's like oh this is her like everyday mundane situation now we're seeking some vengeance tonight cool hmm which I, I I noticed that the first time we like break that habit of dividing them is when she goes to the bachelor party at the end and she's in like the white nurse's uniform and she's popping the gum. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, oh, we're, we're doing our daytime at the nighttime. Should I be worried? Right. <laughs> uh, like the aesthetic, like that, that does kind of tie into one of my notes as well, but it's like this weird, like, and I don't know if it's infantilization or if it's just like, this is, this is a style that Cassie really enjoys and she should be allowed to enjoy it because it's just pretty, but it's like, it's this good girl sort of look during the day and, and like the quote unquote, like slutty look at night that, that men want, I guess. But it's like, you have, yeah, the bright nail polish and you get like her, like with suckers and licorice and it's always something in her mouth and then she's like working at this like cafe that she worked at when she was a kid and she's living with her parents and then like the lolita braid back shot that they had too on this like perfectly rose like white and roses print it's like it's all feeding into this vision of what like a good innocent girl looks like and then i think the moment where it really shifted for me was when molly shannon uh who plays nina's mom says, don't be such a child, Cassie. And it, it's when she's just wishing it like that she could have been there for her friend, you know? Yeah. She's like having a very adult moment, but she's being told not to be such a child about it. Yeah. And all of that is contrasted with <laughs> men acting like toddlers when something doesn't go their way and nobody's calling them out for it so that like you have this entitlement and like at the very end especially like throwing tantrums and weeping hysterically and I say hysterically very intentionally but (laughs) and actual physical violence which are all things that we do when we're tiny little humans who don't know and understand our body or how to respect other people but women aren't allowed to show their weak spots to be pretty just for the sake of being pretty or to be youthful or complain unless men find it hot. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's another performance I want to mention, the Molly Shannon. That was another one. I was not expecting to see her in this film mm-hmm. um, and not expecting her to be in this like very serious, down, like, grounded character. And she did phenomenal. Yeah. There were a lot of comedians in this movie that I was not expecting. That's kind of one of my points. Um, Oh, perfect. um, Yeah. (laughs) This this movie was very smart about the men that it cast because up top, again, Adam Brody um, Mm -hmm. and that one comedian from Veep whose name I forgot. I am embarrassed I forgot his name. Is he the one that was doing the coke? He's the one that came back for her and then we found out that she was sober because Bo Burnham interrupted them. Was like, oh, you're sober? You're so surprised. You're the one that Jerry's to come. You're a crazy bitch. God. <laughs> Women over and everything. That one. Um, I forgot his name and I am so embarrassed I forgot his name because he's gold. Um, but you have all these like funny guys and you 
the bachelor party opens with Max Greenfield from Veronica Mars and New Girl. Mm-hmm. And we find out that the bachelor who did this shit in college is Chris Lowell, who was also in Veronica Mars. So you have all these like good guys you see everywhere and they're always innocent and they're on the right side of history. Um, so they're yeah. safe, but they're not fucking safe. <laughs> um, and I think it brings home that point of yes, all men. Like all the men in this movie fell her at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, the one who apologized fell during the past. He's owning it now, <laughs> but it was a pretty mm-hmm. big fuck up because Nina's no longer with us. Right. At the end when she's missing, her father's like, well, she does do this sometimes. And I'm like, you're her dad. Right. The fucking detective on her case, the man detective, goes to her boyfriend who should be prime suspect number one and feeds him a story. And so all of the men are failing her even in death. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love that we have all these lovable dudes who we would be like, oh yeah, no, he's fine. And the lines that they're given, like for instance, Adam Brody, who's the good guy who takes her, offers to take her home and then takes him her to this place instead. Um, as he's like starting to like touch her, it's like, don't go to sleep. Cause that's a rule that makes him a good guy. If the drunk girl's conscious, it's fine. The guy who was shot, the coke guy who was shot when she was oh. sober and was like, you're a psycho, I'm a good guy. And it's like, you just shoved your fingers inside of a woman who was like, I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're not a good guy. Maybe you should deal with that. Also yeah. with that scene too, I love that she was like, do you still want to fuck me? And she, nobody ever does. They like when they do. find out I'm sober, they don't. I loved that. I screamed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, Isn't that so telling of like, like, oh, that's just so gross. Like why? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah i i i love that because again you have you have these men who have been raised to not understand their actions should have consequences america won't give it to them but they should have consequences and so it's always her fault she's a so she's a sociopath she's crazy um how dare she lie to him about being drunk and it's like but you're a good guy so why were you bringing the drunk girl home let's unpack that first right Right. exactly and why, when you realize that she is sober, now there's the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. if you're really trying to be a good guy, that should be like a, a a moment of comfort. Oh, okay, she's sober. Now we can actually have consensual sex. Right. I'm yeah. so relieved. Right? No, Jesus. it's the opposite, though. It's like, oh, no, now she's awake. Oh, I have to ask questions. And like... <laughs> I have to remember your name now. Oh, no. Yeah. Because that's always their thing, too, is I thought we had a connection when she's, once they find out that she's sober and they feel betrayed that she lied about being drunk. <laughs> They're like, I thought we had a connection. And she's like, what's my name? What do I do for a living? <laughs> and it's like, ah, you were, you were drunk on my couch. I thought I was getting my way is what I really meant. But I can't say that because accountability is not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's another thing I think this film does really well is it mixes that there's, I mean, granted, it's kind of hard to call this a comedy, but like there are some really funny moments. Like when she's got talking to the guy who was doing the coke and she's like, what's my, what's her first, I think her first question is like, what's my favorite color? Oh, but she was like, oh, that's probably too difficult. What, 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 what job do I do? Oh, that's probably too difficult too. What's my name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he can't even answer that question. He's got yeah. nothing. He's got, he went to get her a glass of water though. So he's a good guy. Yeah. And he didn't put her, his fingers in her while she was asleep. That's the only reason she like doesn't kill him, right? Because she says... Uh, I'm going to let you go because you didn't actually put your fingers inside of me when I was asleep. He did. Well, he she did, wasn't asleep. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, she, yeah. she lets all of them go. She likes to scare mm-hmm. them. Um, that's her thing. And so she reads him his sins and he's like, but I'm a good guy. That's just what good guys do. Which I, I'm going to get into my other point on accident, but like we're here now. So fuck it. Um, <laughs> this movie, this movie is the conversation I wanted us to have when the Enzies and Sorry shit came out. Because mm. these situations where people are like, but it's blurry. It's blurry because we don't talk about what consent is. And we don't talk about how this has been happening forever. So like, name me one fam who doesn't have a story where we went back to his place and I just, I guess it happened. And it's like, let's rewind. Let's unpack that. <laughs> how do you feel about that? It just happened. Um, how do you feel about the fact that he pressured you for how long? Um, we, mm-hmm. we didn't have that conversation with Enzies really because it, it was a year. Um, and so Enzies is back on the road and he's doing shows before COVID. And I feel like this movie is a conversation I wanted us to have because all the instances are like things that happen every damn day. 
like even with COVID hookups, people are still finding themselves in situations. Also, yeah. why you can up in COVID, but that's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> and so these conversations need to be had and we need to start giving definite, this is what is happening here, Chad. Because Chad is getting by with the, well, it always happened. It, it, it is the way it always is. The way it always is, is always wrong. That's how racism and sexism have been going strong in this country since the country was found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so <laughs> those are some quotation marks. I forget, I can't be seen sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, since this country was found, um, it's been all about denying accountability and twisting the truth until it fits Chad and mm-hmm. fuck Chad. Chad needs to know that what he's doing is wrong. And we need to also let femmes know that like once you say no, that's the no. And we also need a system that allows that to be a no and have it be repercussions when it goes further than that. Absolutely. I'm trying to think like this, this does kind of tie into one of my last points too, where it's just like, it's, it's no longer about like the woman's story. It is, it's, it's the man's story and like in his word and at, and at the very end with, with Cassie, like she is, you don't even get to see her face anymore. And she just becomes like boobs and a latex dress. Like she's just a, she's just a dead stripper next to a guy who's handcuffed to a bed and weeping. And it becomes his story because she can't tell hers anymore because he literally murdered her. And it actually, it, it reminded me of this. I think it was like a, an art installation maybe or it was like a tumblr thread i art installation tumblr thread i'm a millennial they're the same thing um but it was this woman who did the the headless hot women of hollywood and yes. she would pull up movie posters and advertisements she would pull up like music albums all sorts of things and it was it was women who were featured on these big covers and all of them had their heads chopped off. It was always focused on their boobs, their body, their hips, their legs. And then it was the men who get the full spread. And again, at the very end, like right when you think she's going to get her justice and to tell her story and Nina's story for that matter too, like we lose her face and we lose her voice and she's just a dead stripper. Well, and it, it, this kind of combines all of my last points. But- <laughs> Um, no, you're good. Like it, it, we, we think that we lose her voice, but she actually c- continues to keep her voice after mm-hmm. death, which I think is a brilliant plot device. Like those text messages that Cassie was sending had scheduled for Ryan during the the oh wedding were, were petty goals. <laughs> yes. Enjoy the wedding. The wedding. <laughs> she knew the wedding was still going to happen because again, men give no shits about women. So it's yeah. like, let's burn this bitch and get to the party. Um, I the I, ease with which that happened too. I was like, you bastards. I will never be able to scrap my mind clean of watching Max Greenfield, my Max Greenfield, kick her manicured head into the fire to make sure it burns as well. Also, back in the olden days, they used to burn women at the stake because they were afraid of them because they spoke their minds. They called them witches. So that was also not lost on me. Yeah. I just got goosebumps. Like I'm so I'm so enraged. <laughs> And the whole the whole idea. So after Lindsay, you were kind of talking about this too. But like, the the guy is handcuffed next to this dead body and crying hysterically, and the guy comes in and doesn't believe him at first, and then figures out he's she's dead. But then immediately takes his side. You did nothing wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he killed someone. Yes, he did something fucking wrong. And I like as symbols go in this movie. That was probably the most obvious one of the like what happens in society is other cis het, cis, het, cis het men will come and tell you you did nothing wrong and then help you cover it up cover up what you did wrong and that was probably the most obvious symbol in this movie but it's so needed because it's it's real it's what fucking happens every day and then but what it turns on its head is that she knew that was going to happen so she planned accordingly. I think she knew it was a possibility because right. how often as women, when we go out on these Tinder dates or whatever, do we need to make sure somebody knows where we're going? Do we need to make sure we have some sort of a weapon and a backup plan? Because you never know when you swipe right, if that's the last minute to swipe right on. Um, yeah. So many women go missing in this fucking country. Um, violence against trans women, 
we have to talk about that. It just happens every day. And we're just like, can't be bothered. And so we, we've been taught that we don't matter. And so we have to like make backup plans to make sure someone can at least find us in the event that we can't come back home. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think that, and Sheree, I know that you're, this is part of your uh, hot take, so I don't want to get too deep into it. But a lot of what I've seen a lot of people's issue with this film is the fact that Cassie dies. And it I, like realism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. It's like, what else would have happened? I, I mean, I, she didn't have to die. She could have carved the name into his stomach. It wouldn't have been as impactful. And it, it wouldn't have felt as real because that is what happens. It's, as sad as I was to see her die, had she lived, I would not have liked this movie. Because again, it's it's hinging on rape culture and it's turning those arguments that they always throw up fems on its head. So how often do we hear, well, she should have fought harder or why didn't she defend herself? And, why did and she wear the, that? <laughs> right, right. At the end of the day, a lot of us just can't fight a man in his 30s who is this bachelor's weight. And so of course he's gonna get the upper hand. Um, and so that's why some of us don't fight. And that's why some of us don't report it because we're afraid for our fucking lives. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like having her die puts that argument there because that's one of the ones I always hear, especially coming from Missouri. It's like, well, she should have ran hard. She should have fought hard. She should have worn something different. She shouldn't have been out drinking. Why didn't she have her phone on her? Right. The, the, she, what she, the, like, the clothing she was wearing is like, I hear it every time. Well, yeah. she, those pants were too tight or that skirt was too short or she was in a tube top or she was in a bikini or whatever, like. She put herself in a situation. Right, she went into public, yes. shame her. She, yes. went to, she went to the frat party, she, yeah. you know. Right, and there's no winning because like even other countries where people are covered, it's just like, well, what's your excuse then? And people are like, well, I'll find another one because it can't be his fault because that would mean that we're as a society are failing. Uh, there's always a scapegoat they can always point to yeah it's so frustrating and i can't tell you like that oh god the the like she shouldn't have drank so much she shouldn't have put herself in that situation like the amount of times that i have that i have personally been in those situations too where it's just like well i know i was drunk i don't remember like but i hear my friend being like oh yeah you were really wasted and like some guy pulled you onto his lap and was like telling everybody all the things he could do to you and nobody stopped it. And nobody took me away from that person or tried to like tell him shame on you. It was, but Lindsay was drinking. Yeah, cause boys will be boys. Cause boys will be boys. And also he was gonna be a lawyer. And also <sighs> he was like a tall, handsome white guy and all of these things. And then it becomes, yeah. But if you can't remember it, then you probably like, then you probably didn't happen the way that you think it did. But mm. even when people see it, like we see with Allison's Bree's, Allison Bree's character, they won't do anything with it and nothing will happen. And it's, it's so pervasive that the media does it casually. Like Marilyn Manson yeah. was officially, finally named, named, even though we all finally. knew. We all knew, but people were like, benefit the doubt until proven guilty. If she wanted it, if she, she didn't name a name, it's like, we all know. <laughs> the years yeah. line up and he was finally at it and it's still allegedly, and it's still like, well, this country is jumping to conclusions. We have to wait and hear from him. And it's like, no, we don't. Yeah. Look at his track record. Look at the things he's been quoted as saying. Look at how all of his exes have been once they've escaped him. Clearly, yeah. he's not well, but and, you want to use his music. So right. and I wanna and I while we mentioned him, I wanna mention the bravery that it took for her to actually say, because that's why she wouldn't say his name in the beginning because he's threatened her so many times. Yeah. And so for her to come out and say his name publicly like that is so brave. And I think Evan Rachel Wood needs all the, the props and praise for doing that. And hopefully, hopefully saving another girl from going through the same thing that she went through. Absolutely. Probably, you know, probably not, but hopefully. Because again, the media allegedly um, they don't focus on the actual news. Like Brock Turner, how many times will we call a swimmer in my lifetime? He's no longer a swimmer. You know what he is? He's a rapist. fucking rapist. <laughs> that's what he is. So just say Stanford rapist. Brock Turner, who used to swim. That's how you should open your stories. But we don't care about that because his father's like, oh, he can't even eat a steak anymore. Oh, what about his life? And judges across the fucking country are always like, we can't ruin this young man's life for what he did 
because she's not a person she's a woman and so you I get just all these promising here. young men and there is no promising young woman and it is yeah. infuriating literally I all of the potential that Nina and Cassie who were going to be doctors Mm-hmm. but we don't talk about that because the guy who assaulted Nina is a doctor and he can come back and speak to the school because they never like looked into that and investigated it yeah. and so he's an upstanding hero who's getting yeah. married next week yeah who's getting married a model. Does wife know about this situation probably not she does now ha <laughs> <laughs> um I do I like my my last kind of point which ties I don't know. I think it kind of ties back to everything that we've been talking about. It's like this movie was campaigned to be like a horror thriller movie and to be like a revenge movie. And when we think of revenge movies, I Trent, you actually brought up a really good one. Like I spit on your grave. I made the mistake of watching that movie. It has scarred me ever since. Please don't watch that movie. Um, but it's like, it, it reminded me of like what Scream did and what Hereditary did. It's like, you think that you know what you're getting into and then it completely turns it turns it on its head and it says, oh no, like your expectation was for blood and violence and for like an angry woman not to like just slaughter people. No, the scary movie is men and men's actions. Women <laughs> <laughs> know what's going to happen. Yeah, because like like y'all were saying earlier, she never gets violent with any of these, but she just get becomes sober and tells them, "You're look what you're doing." Yeah, which apparently is the scariest thing you can do to a man, according to The Bachelor, who's like that's every guy's nightmare is to be accused like that, to be accused of the thing you did. Maybe you shouldn't do the thing you did. I again, they keep calling her a sociopath and telling her she's crazy, and yet these upstanding young white men who are society's dreams are just like, "Well, you killed her, but it's not your fault, honey." No, she she made you kill her. <laughs> um, you have a you have a wedding and a career, so like let's just burn her body real quick. <laughs> That's those are sociopaths, but we never talk about yeah. that because men can't be held accountable. And when you ask them to be held accountable, that's the worst thing you could do to them. That's their nightmare is to have to own up to their shit. <laughs> what a fucking life that must be. <laughs> right. I wish my biggest problem was being like ownership. What? I would gladly trade you. <laughs> but, but right, let's talk for a minute about how quickly and easily we ask for uh, people of minorities, typically, and women specifically, to own up to what they do. The minute something happens, the woman has to own up to what she was wearing or where she was or how much she had to drink or blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But the man never has to own up for shit. I mean, even Molly, that line that I mentioned earlier, Molly Shannon's character, like, don't be such a child, Cassie, like, just get over it. Like even even Nina's mom is saying, "Hey, just get over it. Like, there's nothing we can do. Just let it go." Wondered if Nina's mom blamed Nina, and that was part of the problem, because I feel like Nina mm-hmm. also moved home, and Molly Shannon's character strikes with a sort of mom who's like, "Well, you should let that happen to you, and that's why this happened." Which we see those moms mm-hmm. all the time, because again, society does not know how to treat women as people, including older generations. Yeah. Which is why we had that little like meeting of moms of rapists in the New York Times a few years ago. And they were like, my son's life is being ruined because these women are accusations. And it's why you have these upstanding men who are like the Me Too movement is a witch hunt. And it's like, what are you doing to women where you feel like you're about to be persecuted when that's not touch them? What are you doing? Huh? Um, <laughs> but that's not the conversations we have in America because that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the most heartbreaking parts of this film for me was when Cassie is meeting with, I can't remember the character's name, so I'm just gonna say the actress, but uh, Connie Britton's character. And uh, she- Oh, the, the Dean. Yeah. Dean Walker. doesn't even remember Nina. That makes it me happens. sad. Right, that makes me sad on many different levels, but like specifically because it, may, it makes me feel bad for Cassie, who has literally this ruined her and Nina's entire life. But it also makes me sad for to society that there's so many of these things that they just become everyday occurrences. Dean Walker has covered up so many assaults that I, that's all I took away from that, which happens because look at colleges. They're basically hunting grounds. How many frat parties? <laughs> um, how many frat houses? Yeah. How many, how many like date break scenarios? Like it's, it's awful. The statistics are always there. But again, 
Title IX sometimes helps a little bit, but not really. I've seen Title IX do the bare minimum. And I'm just like, we need to retool that clearly, <laughs> but we don't have that conversation either. We're just like, yeah, well, there's other problems to be had. And it's like, but this is a big one, I feel. <laughs> this is, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just the students sometimes too. It, it's the people we're inviting back. It's our faculty. It's the people that we're actively putting in positions to take care of to take care of people and to watch out for people. And we're not doing anything to make sure that that's upheld. Right. And God forbid they get tenure. Oh my God. Oh God. I, I think I can name at least two professors from my old college who were just creeps and everybody knew they were creeps. And like women don't like, if you were a, if you were a woman or a, a 18, 17 year old girl in college, you knew you don't sit in the front row of this professor's class because he gets distracted when he sees young women's legs. Shit, I knew a teacher in high school that it was known like that, that you didn't, the girl, you know, he would flirt with the girls and girl, and he would even give girls higher grades and help them out. And like, yeah, like mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. the whole world is boys protecting boys. It really is. It, it, ah, I hate it here. Um, <laughs> Stop the world. I want to get off. <laughs> Yes, I do that. <laughs> well, and it even goes, I mean, it even goes as far as like, I've always heard this and it's so true that like homophobia is the fear that other men will treat you the way that you treat women. Again, my theory is when there's smoke, there's fire. So when somebody is treating women horribly, they're also usually homophobic and or racist and or something else's. Or All <laughs> um, and so I think it's, I think it's funny that you have these people who are so homophobic because they're afraid another man might look at them. Um, but yet they can't call women all damn day long. Uh, and well, yeah. yeah. And but so it's like, you understand it's wrong when it's your body. Again, like Cassie said, it's different when it's someone you love and Chad loves himself. Well, and she <laughs> says that in the first, like we were talking about earlier with the scene where she's walking down the street without her shoes on and the hot dog. And which I thought that ketchup was blood at first. And I was like, did she murder someone? I didn't see it. What happened? <laughs> Cause that was a lot of ketchup. <laughs> calm down with ketchup <laughs> um, but the, the, the other the men that are catcalling her get visibly upset when she literally just does the same thing they're doing she just looks at them oh my god living in chicago and the shit that would go down on a bus and nobody would say anything like the one time people did actually like help me out as a person on a fucking bus in chicago it's when i was like sick and had no voice and I was like, stop touching me. <laughs> My little raspy <laughs> voice. Because <laughs> I had literally no voice. And like, oh. luckily a lady near me was like, she said, stop touching her. And like the bus driver finally got involved. And like, everybody was like, okay, oh, now God. that people are saying something, I guess also something too. And it's like, you could have said something before this other woman had to get involved. Because yeah. again, going back to Cassie's death, how often is it that somebody else who intervenes is another woman who then has her own life in danger to help this person she may or may not know? because she knows what's going on or about to go down. How many times have we been at the bar and been like, I'm gonna pretend to be your friend because I see this. Or I heard you say no and nobody else is doing anything and I'm gonna hope he doesn't kill both of us. Right. Well, and how many times does like, how many women have to get involved to tell one person no before a man finally gets involved, tells the guy to back off and then it dissolves the situation? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> anyway, let's get to our... talk about this for like a week. <laughs> this could be a whole new podcast. <laughs> Prom's a young woman week four. Yes. <laughs> section of your, of your class, right? It's going to be put on this. Just this movie alone. My hot take, I did sneak in. Because um, I, I, again, we talk about criticism and I was like, it's not 100% our thesis, but also it's close. All right, let's get to our hot takes. Uh, Lindsay, you want to go first? My hot take is kind of fucked up. Also, I apologize. I've been swearing a lot. My hot take is a little fucked up. I um, I actually wrote this down when I watched the movie, but I was like, oh, yes, finally, a movie that accurately depicts how excruciatingly long it takes to smother someone to death. Like, it takes work, and it is an intentional choice to smother that person to death. Um, but outside of that, this movie is incredible. It's it's beautiful, and it should be required uh, re required watching. Yeah, that's kind of what a, my hot take as well. This movie is a great way to show how traumatic and evil and damaging the toxic masculinity is in our culture. And I think everyone, especially cis men, should be forced to watch it. Yeah. I, I have 
friends who can't watch it even after I explained how Emerald was going to take care of the situation. Mm. And so most people, yes, but also some people have already been injured by society. Yeah. No, yeah, it, 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 it's traumatic. Yeah, no, but I mean, like cishet white men. Oh, most of them are fine. Most of them are fine. There, <laughs> there are a few cases where I'd be like, okay, I understand. We'll say 90, um, 97, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so my hot take is the film is flawless. The ending was earned and people need to get over the notion that we deserve a happy ending as a society because I hate that shit. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love a play that ends with everybody in distress because that is life. Mm-hmm. Anybody in 2020? Because that's what all that was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, because- <laughs> I was choked on a blueberry. That's fucking hilarious. Oh my God. Um, and, and because this movie's so perfect, I, I took offense to this critic who said Carrie Mulligan wasn't attractive enough to be this lead. Um, right? I, I put the links in here. I put the oh. links in here. Um, he, so last year when he saw it at Sundance, he was like, I see Margot Robbie is a producer and it should be Margot Robbie because she's more innocent and pretty. And his name is Dennis Harvey. And so, of, of course, it was Sundance that was last year, and nobody talked about the movie again until this year because 2020 happened and we didn't get to see it until this year. Yeah. Right. And so, Carrie Mulligan was like, that reviewer said I wasn't attractive enough for this role, and that was some bullshit. And what does he do as a man who is cis and white? <laughs> I'm sorry that you felt that way. Did he watch this movie? Did he even like. Yeah. What he does, what he does when she calls it out as sexism, which is ironic for this movie, which talks about (laughs) um, is he doubles down. He's like, I was under a deadline and I gave it a glowing review. I'm sorry, she felt that we need to jump to that conclusion of what I said. And like, if you look at the quote, he he very much says, "Mm," she gives it away because she's not as cute and sweet as Margot Robbie. Uh, Margot Robbie would have been more attractive in the role. And then he's like, I'm also a gay man, so I can't be toxic. And it's like, oh, 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 good sir. You don't even, just do all the hat tricks, all the hat tricks. (laughs) It was just like. It's so frustrating. Yeah, because again, yes, all men contribute to this problem. Um, And Dennis Harvey is at Variety. And Variety, to their credit, was like, we had this interview with Carrie and she pointed that out. And so we put like a little bulletin over his review, but we left it because again, how well, they put it up there article? and then he was like, but I'm still not, but I'm still not sorry. Like, I'm yeah. not sorry. They are. Yeah. <laughs> if I read a paper and some sexy shit got past me some way, somehow, I would pull it when it was pointed out. But again, he's a man. So we can't take his shit away. We have to leave it. But we have to let them know that we disagree, maybe now. And I was like, Variety, I believed in you. <laughs> and they were like, these three sentences don't fix it. I'm like, no, they, they don't, honey. It's still, it's still problematic. Yeah, I, and I think one of the things this film does really well too is it's it's about owning up to what you did and then actively working against it in the future. That's why she forgives, uh, I can't think of his Dr. name. Dr. Green. Dr. Green is because he is actively working to atone for what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so if this critic or whatever had said, oh, I'm sorry, I should have worded that differently uh, and I won't do it again or I should never have said that or something, to the point that he owns what he did and he's actively working to make it right in the future. That's what you need in this world. And I don't care if you're a man, a woman, gay, straight, black, white, whatever. If you do something wrong, acknowledge it and actively work to make it better in the future, not only for yourself, but for other people. And fucking apologize. And apologize, yes. yes. Again, that is part of society's issue is that we've told men they can never fail. And so when they do fail, they're just like excuses because like all these excuses were the worst. I'm under a deadline. We've all been through school. We've had deadlines. We read some sexist shit because we're under a deadline. I was a freelance writer. None of my shit is sexist. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is doing five hours. Let me piss on the lead and the lead looks. That's not how I did it. Um, <laughs> um, him being like, well, I'm a gay man, so I can't be a chauvinist. I, <laughs> what does one have to do with the other? Um, <laughs> You, you made this box good, sir. Right. Um, and then him, of course, trying to gaslight her with, well, if that's the way she intended it to take it, I can't change that for her. And it's like, you said something that injured someone. How about we don't ever, how about we all remove, I'm sorry, you interpreted what I said that way from our vocabularies and our consciousness, because you said what you said. 
Um, all of his excuses made it worse. I would have rather he just said nothing and let me think he was awful as opposed to knowing he's really awful. Right. Yeah. Giving the non-apology. Yeah. yeah. In case you missed it, <laughs> I'm a trash bag. <laughs> but also, or also apologizing for how you feel. I'm sorry that you got hurt, or I'm sorry that what I said hurt you. Not. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry you hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you hurt yourself on my words. I'm gonna start using that as a playwright and see how that goes. <laughs> it's worth a shot (laughs) all right thank you Lindsay, for coming on our show thank you for having me this is so much fun i love this show also i've been dying to be a guest on it so (laughs) we're so happy you joined us for this fantastic film so um yeah next week we're covering silent house with m highland and that's going to continue our month-long marathon of movies written and directed by fans because Ooh. it's Women's History Month. What's up? Intent, wink, wink. Right? <laughs> we have calendars and we know what months are. <laughs> right? <laughs> <coughs> All right, again, thank you, Lindsay, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you stay fierce out there. <laughs>